0: Hi and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Joker in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. You gotta dig a little deeper. It really ain't that far. There's a new comic book movie out now. Uh this is going to be... I'm really interested to talk about this. I'm fascinated to like dive into some of the elements of it. We're talking Joker. We're talking about Joker. It is yet another uh, incarnation of the clown prince of Gotham. This time, the titular role is played by Joaquin Phoenix. And the film is directed by Todd Phillips. You may be familiar with some of his movies. The Hangover. The Hangover 2, The Hangover 3, War Dogs, Old School, Starsky and Hutch, The Remake, Road Trip, Due Date, School for Scoundrels. Uh, I've seen all of those. And outside of The Hangover, uh, I think they're all average at best, and most of them are bad. So, it was interesting to get the news that he would be the one directing Joker, that it would be his project because, you know, he had a big part in writing the film on top of directing it. Uh, He co-wrote the film with Scott Silver, who, I don't know if he's done anything that I would recognize. Let's see. Scott Silver wrote on The Fighter, eight Eight Mile and The Finest Hours, among others, so that that's a little bit of a solid pedigree, I think the writing in The Fighter in Eight Mile is pretty good, uh, and Phillips, outside of what he's directed, uh, has also written on Borat, Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit Glorious, State of Kazakhstan, I think the title is, uh, so... <clears throat> It was kind of a mixed bag uh, going into this from, from a behind-the-scenes perspective. Alongside of Joaquin Phoenix, you have Robert De Niro, Zazzy Beats, Francis Conroy, Shea Wiggum, Bill Camp, Glenn Fleschler, uh Josh Pius. Um, Brian Tyree Henry makes an appearance. Uh, Justin Thoreau makes an appearance. Hmm. I don't remember seeing him in the movie. But, uh, suffice to say, it has... A pretty good cast in front of this in front of the camera, you know. All things considered, and buzz started coming out, and people were excited about it. People were really looking forward to it. Uh, I know most people weren't really didn't care for the Jared Leto interpretation of Joker from Suicide Squad, and we all kind of yearned for the days of Heath Ledger, uh, you know. Unfortunately, and you know, I will never get Heath Ledger's Joker again in a new film. Um, you know Jared Leto just wasn't cutting it and a lot of people still hold a lot of uh respect and reverence for what Jack Nicholson did uh you know a lot of people love the way he's voiced by Mark Hamill in the animated shows and movies so there are a lot of different jokers that people enjoy and people like and this time and now we're getting a new one and so there's 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 some weight, there's some baggage, there's pressure on both Phoenix and Phillips to give us a Joker worthy of the title, worthy of the name. You know, this is a, the only superhero comic book character to ever win an Oscar for the performance. And one of the only ones to ever be nominated, if not the only one, I think. I think so. And so, you know, the the, the there's so much expectations on a movie like this. And the buzz originally was pretty good. You know, it started opening at some film film festivals. Uh, it did really well at film festivals. It won. Um, it won the Golden Lion at Venice. Uh, you know, it won Best Soundtrack at Venice. It won the Fan Fanheart Award for Todd Phillips, uh, the Graffita d'Or Doro for Best Film at Venice. Uh, you know, it was nominated for best teaser trailer. I don't know. It's got a little bit of a pedigree coming in. So, again, expectations a little higher, a little higher. Then we started to get some more critical reactions, and then we had to kind of temper expectations a little bit. You know, it's not the critically acclaimed behemoth that I think it kind of needed to be, uh, to... I don't know, to just kind of to, to prove that it was worth making, to prove that this is a variation of the character that we needed, to prove that, you know, this is some a movie that can hang with the rest of, you know, the comic book world. And unfortunately, you know, it's a, uh, got a little sh- iffy there. You know, 415 current reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and it sits at a 69%. Again, that's fresh. It's still certified fresh, even though I think technically it has to stay over 70% for that. But still, but more good than bad is something that DC movies outside of the Batman franchise have not had the luxury of enjoying. And the audience score right now is 90%. So audiences are are really enjoying it. I went and saw it Thursday night, or I guess Thursday afternoon at 4 p.m. I was looking forward to it. I, you know, I'm Joaquin Phoenix is fantastic, and I think whether or not Phillips was the right person behind the camera, I think Phoenix is a great person in for in front of the camera. So I was int- I was really fascinated to see you know how this would end up playing out, and my initial reaction was I liked it, but I think that the film has a few. I think I liked everything Joaquin Phoenix did. I had a lot of problems with what Todd Phillips brought to the movie. Not that it was all bad. I think there's some stuff that there's stuff that Todd Phillips did that was great, uh, but there's some stuff that wasn't. However, at the end of the day, as an origin film, for a character, one of the few characters that I think no one really needs or wants an origin film for, this is about as good as that origin can get person as far as I'm concerned it is not easy to you know take a character so shrouded in mystery so 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 fascinating so curious so completely disturbed give them a, an, an origin story that simultaneously answers and shrouds the questions about their origin and uh, and make it work and I think choker manages to do that. Pretty convincingly, you know. If you, you know, you look back at the Dark Knight, every piece of of backstory we get from the Joker comes from the Joker, who gives us these, you know, brief soliloquies where he explains, you know, why he has the scars on his face. That's it, and he tells two different stories about the same scars. So again, shrouded in mystery giving us answers without giving us any answers at all. And I think Phillips, that is the best thing Phillips drew from the Dark Knight's version of Joker, and I think it is the part that matters most that the character needs to have. So, I liked it. There are definitely some problems. It does some good stuff. And, but at the end of the day, I think it ultimately succeeds at providing an or, a convincing and confusing origin story for a character that doesn't, ha- shouldn't have their origin, you know, spelled out, as it were. So I, I really enjoy that side of things. I, I think that's a really good way to approach the character. So, all that aside, how does this movie work? What What is it really about? So, uh, we join Joaquin Phoenix who plays Arthur Fleck uh, in, I think, like the early 80s uh, is when the film takes place. He is a Failing stand-up comedian. And and, and his day job works as like a clown that stands in front of stores and, you know, tries to attract business. He lives with his mom, Frances Conroy. She is not well. He kind of takes care of her. He is poor. They have very little money. And... um. That's kind of it. Like, that's the basis. It's a very, you know, simple setup. And when the movie, so the movie unfolds, basically showing us how Arthur is really put down by the world around him. Uh, whether that's his mother whether that's his co-workers whether that's people on the street whether that's his boss whether that's other comedians or audiences when he's performing his comedy Uh, over and over and over again in the first half of the movie we see characters continuously uh, try to push him down try to squash him try to smother him tell him that he's no good tell him that he's you know wasting his time tell him that he's worth nothing, that he means nothing, that he's insignificant over and over and over and over again. That is the vibe the first half of the movie puts out there. And to a degree, as as we see Arthur and in his environment and in the movie, it's true. He is of very little consequence. He is a person who has very little impact on his surroundings, on the other people in his life. And you can tell that it bothers him you can tell that this doesn't sit well and it i mean it wouldn't sit well with anybody would it you know very few are the number are the people who would be content to have to leave no footprint on the world you know not even a big footprint not you know you don't have to be famous or anything like that but just for your actions and thoughts and words to have no impact on any other person or to actively, you know, call cause them to to react negatively toward you, you know, that's it's devastating, you know, it's painful, it's frustrating, it's it's agitating and it all sort of lays the groundwork. Because eventually, you know, things get dialed up a little bit. Now it's not just Arthur's bad at his job, or Arthur's coworkers yell at him, he loses his job. You know, all this time he spends learning and, and trying to write jokes and hoping to reform for an audience. And then he does. And not only does the audience not laugh at him, he clips of his performance end up on a late night show making fun of him for his performance. and so structurally you know we get this escalating problematic frustration coming out of arthur as you know he, he so you know as the as the little stuff continues you know he starts sort of falls back on the bigger stuff and then the bigger stuff crumbles and gives way and he can't fall back on it anymore so he doesn't have anything left to cling on to as the despair and the misery piles up around him you know, it it ends up, you know, turning into this chaotic, aptly chaotic uh, world for him you know, from the start of the movie he's on medication, uh, he has mental problems you know, that is where the laugh comes from is from him being mentally unstable. He has a mental illness that causes him to laugh uncontrollably at times, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situations. And partway into the movie, not only are his med- is his medication taken away, uh, but his you know his weekly like ther- daily weekly I'm not sure how often he goes therapy sessions are gone. The funding is gone for that program. He can't get help. He can't get medication. And it's it's every, you know, Phillips is showing us like, like every single fi- inf- piece of infrastructure put in place to help people in this situation, in any situation, uh, is failing him. And so we're left with a man without, you know, willing to do anything, capable of anything. And I think that's a really, it's a really cogent place to put the character of the Joker. You know, he, he finds out, you know, these, these realities and these truths are not what he thought they were. Whether that is the nature of, the talk show, the, the comedian talk show host that he looks up to, whether that is uh, the true story of, you know, his the truths uh, around his mom, whether that's the nature and reality of his illness, uh, you know, whether that's, you know, so on and so on. And ultimately, it services in sending Arthur slash Joker on a trajectory to becoming who we know him to be now what i found interesting is this is not the same joker that we've seen in the past uh there are many many differences between joaquin slash uh, phoenix phillips portrayal of the character and ledger or uh, nicholson or leto or or hamill's performance and portrayals of the character as well uh You've got age differences, you have, you know, the fact that by the time Batman is, would be old enough to be, you know, Batman, uh, who knows how old Joker is, you know, he looks like he's in his mid to late 30s, so, you know, if, you know, this is in the 80s, if this were in the Dark Knight timeline, you know, Batman wouldn't be Batman for another 20 some years, And by then Joker's 60? Pushing 60? And so, you know, he's coming to fruition in a very interesting and different time. And I think by removing Batman from the equation, you ask a pretty fundamental question, which is, if Batman in generally generally in his movies and in his comics, is the reason, you know, kind of kind of is the reason for all these villains, his rogues gallery in the first place. Often that's, you know, how they're portrayed. You know, how does a villain function before Batman? How does a villain function uh, before, you know, the caped bat becomes a fixture, becomes a symbol for Gotham? And... What does his role play? You know, is he a master villain? Uh, the movie doesn't portray him that way. He is not a master villain. You know, I think Nicholson played him to be very smart, very conniving. Ledger played him to be much more chaotic, much more, you know, flying by the seat of his pants, just hoping to to stir the pot and, and cause mayhem. mayhem. And I think Joaquin is a lot closer to Heath than he is to Nicholson. But there are definitely interesting differences, uh, you know, not to say that Ledger's Joker couldn't have had mental illnesses, he absolutely could have, but we're shown that Arthur has those, we're shown that he has them definitively, and then the movie even goes a step further to to sort of push those onto the audience, onto the viewer, and and say, it's not just, you know, it's not a little thing, it's a big thing that he is dealing with, it is something that he's got to handle and got to come to terms with or or it'll swallow him up, kind of. And it's all pushed through the laugh. I think the laugh illustrates almost everything you need to know about him. Because at the start, like I mentioned, you know, he can't control it. It's, it's a it's a it's a byproduct of his mental illness. you know at, there's a scene where he starts laughing on a bus and one of the other patrons on the bus turns to him and you know, you think this is funny, this is not funny, you know what is the what is wrong with you And he hands the woman a card that says, "I'm sorry I'm laughing. you know, I have a mental condition that causes me to laugh even when the situation does not call for it. Please excuse my, you know, please excuse me. And so, from at the beginning, it does kind of feel like this man, he, this, this part of him that he doesn't want, this part of him that he wishes didn't happen, that frustrates him, that seems out of place and out of character, and he, does, he wants to separate it from himself. He wants to get rid of it. And as the progression of the film continues, it becomes, it kind of takes over. You know, it, it kind of becomes a part of him that he he embraces, that he learns to control, that he, you know, wields, you know, with, with power. And that's kind of awesome. I, I really like that angle for this character. You know, this is absolutely a villain's story. And you're not going to get past the idea that, you know, he's doing some pretty... Despicable things, and he's, you know, causing a lot of bad things to happen, and I, I, a lot of movies like this kind of turn it into turn him into an anti-hero, where, or turn the character main character into an anti-hero where you know yeah bad things but for the right reasons you know but but instilling the right values or, or something to that effect, and I think Joker tr- flirts with that idea, but by the end of the movie. Uh, you know, I think as as much as it tries to, you know, as it turns the mirror back on the audience, you know, for a movie that takes place in the 80s, it has a lot to say about the current socioeconomical climate. But it doesn't say it perfectly. And I think this is where Phillips struggles. You know, he is incredibly heavy handed in his messaging, uh, to his own detriment. I think it becomes painfully obvious, you know, the parallels you can draw between uh, Gotham in the '80s in this movie and the United States in the late 2010s now. But by he he goes, I think, too far in in trying to sort of agitate the populace. I think. You know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of think pieces about, you know, the call to arms that Joker is, you know, the the demand for, you know, whatever, you know, the action that's required, the, you know, the steps that need to be taken in order to kind of, quote unquote, take back our country uh, by the various maligned groups of people that exist in it. And on one hand, it is that it's absolutely that. But on the other hand, the message surrounding that idea that Joker gives is very violent. It is very aggressive. It is very emotional, and it absolutely misses uh, the 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 point a lot in a lot of ways. You know, yes, there are struggling groups of people in our country. Uh, many struggling groups of people in the country who need help uh, financially or emotionally. Or medically, or you know, you know whatever you need, and some of them could find, might find, you know, might think they could find uh, relief through violent upheaval, but the vast majority of them, you know, that that's not the answer, and it it almost never is, you know, and. I think if you're reading Joker literally, it can be very easy to misinterpret the violent element of the film, and I, I really hope that's not the case. I really hope more most people don't misinterpret it that way because it would be potentially uh, pretty scary if you know some of the ideas, the literal ideas on the screen, ever translated to real life, but at its heart i think the message is a lot simpler just that you know you shouldn't be happy or not not you shouldn't be happy but there's a reason that the status quo is what it is i think and you need to kind of embrace yourself to to rise above the status quo and joker does that in the movie and to you know, for better or worse, he is a much happier person uh despite the effects of the world or on it uh, despite the the impact he has on the world around him and it, it becomes strange that this story is being told through this character, and I think that's where the message gets muddled because. He is this iconic figure who goes through his life and, and, you know, is beaten and is knocked down and is, you know, pushed around. And it isn't until he gets to the kind of end of his rope that he feels any kind of joy, that he feels any kind of acceptance and like he has a position in the country, in the world, in his life, in his within his surroundings, and so I, I really think that I, I, I think there's such a great opportunity here, and Phillips gets some of it right, and and, and misses on some of on other parts. You know, he he. Totally nails a lot of the eccentricities of the Joker. The Joker was portrayed very sensually in this movie. A lot of dancing, a lot of gyrating. I think some of that can be seen in the trailer. And I really liked that depiction. I think, you know, Nicholson gave him this crime boss feature. You know, Ledger was much more sort of, sort of ragdoll y. You know, when he's like flailing around in, in Dark Knight, it's very. I don't know. Just like it adds that element of you know of Joker being this character who doesn't operate like other people do, and by giving him the sort of dancing, sensual sensuality in, in this movie, I think it, it helps to esk, uh, to to emphasize that aspect. So to that end, you know, I think there's a lot of good stuff in the characterization of the character and in elements of his role in society and in how the story continues. A lot of the supporting cast is good, but not it you know, doesn't leave their mark, really. De Niro does a good job. As Murray Franklin, Zazie Beats was fine. Francis Conroy was fine. Um, no one really lets down the the film From a performance standpoint But it is F- Phoenix's movie And he owns it from start to finish His performance is exceptional uh, Absolutely one of my top 10 lead performance uh, Nominees at the moment And uh, could be on there For quite some time uh, I think he's He's got A good 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 chance at, a, at an Oscar nomination I don't know that there's anything else in the movie That, that has that chance Um The movie's doing really well at the box office. It currently has a 4.0 average rating on Letterboxd, which is a lot higher than I expected it to be. But given the lower critical reception, I don't know if it makes that transition from box office success and audience success to, you know, awards winner. So curious to see how, how things play out for Joker in the awards season to come. That's about it, though, you know. Some of the stuff I may have, you know, kind of flirted with spoilers a little bit throughout there, uh, but no real, true spoiler section. Now, and 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 finally, I don't know if I really want to recommend this movie. Uh, It's certainly, I enjoyed watching it, and I think a lot of people will like it, but. I, yeah I, I would say find I, I i don't know i would suggest wa- i i think it's worth watching i think it is i guess that's where I'm gonna land I think it's worth watching worth checking out Joker came out this past weekend and uh, i liked it it's not going to be in my top 10 this year but um it's I, I think it is a good movie I'm eyeing a mid to high rating in the 60s for Joker. That's it, though. That is it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. As always, you can get in touch with me on Twitter at Circle of Film, letterboxed at Circle of Film, or send me an email, film at gmail.com. You can find more episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, other places where podcasts can be found. Or you can head over to the website, circleoffilm.com, for all the episodes and more. And finally, if you'd like to support the show, do that. I really appreciate it. It means a lot. Obviously, the best thing you can do is just listen. That is foremost uh, helpful. The most uh, said that wrong. That is the most helpful thing you could do. However, if you want to do more than that, you can like the podcast, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, uh, tell somebody about it, um, or become a patron at patreon.com slash circleoffilm for as little as eight cents an episode. That will give you early access to everything that comes out early. And there are other tiers for other rewards. Thank you for listening. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. night. I know she'll never leave me. Even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same and Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long farewell. Oh while we to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Wait a, minute. Wait a minute so long.